It's January 4th, 1997, and Number One Crush by Garbage is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock Chart. Welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Al. I'm Quillen. And I'm Trav. And this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 1990s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in 1994. Today we'll be talking about number one, Crush, the fourth single from William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, music from the motion picture. Number one crush spent four consecutive weeks at the top of the modern rock chart. Here is a clip. What's this? We're we're podcasting. Hi, gang. <laughs> it's nineteen ninety-seven, and we've materialized in the year nineteen ninety-seven. We sure have. Uh, it's great to be back. We did a we did a long, 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 long hiatus, and then we did some mini episodes, and then we did another long hiatus, <laughs> and uh, we we just needed a little break from Zoom, and uh, we're here. We're ready. We're back. We're we're ready to. To offer you our services. Quill and I like your shiny silver pants and ski goggles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. That's cool. So we're, we're talking about number one crush. And uh, uh, let's maybe, let's b- back up a little bit and just kind of say, uh, what are our, our hopes and dreams and fears uh, about 1997? Anything in particular that comes to mind? Oh, good question. 1997. So I feel like we kind of talked about this at the beginning of 1996, but it's especially true of 1997. I really meant to say it for this year. Uh, shit's different, man. It's just different. <laughs> Things are different now. Like 1996 was a transitional year. Like there was still some some leftover remnants of like the early 90s alternative yeah. and grunge stuff. In 1997, it is totally gone, blown out the the room, and it's um, a different thing entirely. And I guess I'm kind of curious, like, for me in 1997, I was, I think, I was in high school. I was going to be a sophomore, like freshman to sophomore year in 1997, uh-huh. where you guys are... 12 and 13 respectively i think yeah i'm in seventh grade um, so yeah. um that those are really like prime years i mean for me like those were really special years like being 12 and 13 and like it, being a kid and appreciating um you know big rock music and um i think by this time for me it was almost kind of a like I, I was sort of out of that phase and into something else where you start to be a little bit more, you know, kind of self-aware of what you're listening to and caring a little bit more about how that's presented. So I'm excited to see, um, I guess that stuff from your perspective, because from mine, it's not good. Yeah. 96 is really, that was the first year that I was conscious of what was going on on the radio the entire time. So I'm still really early in listening to this music at all i mean you know there's still lots of 93 and 94 kind of stuff 95 96 stuff on the radio um but yeah some some really really big albums in my life came out this year 
Um, so yeah, I'm excited to talk about those, but yeah, looking back as an adult, I'm looking at the list of songs this year and it's like, we're not, we're not quite going into sort of like novelty song territory. I feel like 1998 has a lot of novelty songs in it, but we are, you know, everything is getting homogenized a little bit. You know, I think a lot of the radio stations have merged under a small number of sort of corporate hands and, um, uh, another big thing that's going on that in our first couple of weeks is we're going to have a lot of this electronica influence, but we're also going to have a lot of just kind of bland um, and may- maybe maybe good blands, but bland pop rock on the radio this year. Quill, what are you thinking? Yeah, you know we're we're just starting to get to the point where um, kind of my highest level of nostalgia for this kind of music is. Um, you know, I feel like we've covered a lot of great bands and songs so far. Uh, artists that, um, for us, might stand the test of time, and we're getting to a point where there's a lot more questionable um, songs. And um, I feel like uh, we're uh, reaching a point where you're going to see a change in... Um, uh, who the kind of villain is or villains are in in this group uh, from song to song. <laughs> I think that uh, I see myself being a bit more positive about some of the uh, songs in the next few years, um, more so than you guys will be. Mm-hmm. And I think the tides will be turning a little bit. And I look forward to seeing how that will go. Um, Unfortunately, and... I think that's still going to make you the villain. <laughs> <laughs> Could be, could be, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, the, the, Alec, you said you were in seventh grade. I think 97 for me was, uh, second half of seventh grade and first half of eighth grade. Those were really rough years. Um, but I have a lot of positive memories because of some of the songs that we'll be covering this year and, and, and the 1998, some of the 1998 songs too. So I kind of look forward to dabbling in, in that a, a little bit. Great. Well, I've got to confess, number one crush was not really on my radar too much in 1997. I mean, you know, I was aware of it. I probably knew it very well. It was played frequently, but I don't think that I, as a kid, had any particular feelings about it. And I, I kind of feel like now I'm, I still don't have any particular feelings about it. I'm pretty much completely neutral on this track. Do either of you have strong reactions to it? Um, I liked it considerably more than I expected to. Um, I, you know, I, there are two two versions uh, at least of this song, and I I don't remember the original version at all. This is the version that I recall probably because of um, the Romeo and Juliet movie. Um, and we should I, just say this is the Nellie Hooper mix. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I definitely remember this song, and I remember disliking it as a kid. Um, but was it uh, too horny? It may have been a little. <laughs> it may have been a little too sensual for my, uh, too sexual, um, for my, uh, you know, Christian ears at the time. And I think I might have been in the same situation. Yeah. 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 Wait, you guys that. were turned away from like horny music. I felt guilty. Have we I ever felt guilty no, I, about it? Like, yeah, I mean, like it was it was uh, repulsive to you I, at, at a young age. It was a guilt it, thing. It, it was a it guilt might, thing oh, for me. It might have okay. been to me. It might have been a little repulsive. I was. I think I was just very quietly attracted to it. Sure. For that mm-hmm. reason. Um, I I liked it a lot as a kid, and I found this time around listening to it that it was kind of empty and vapid, and just sort of like a mood music kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, d- definitely a mood. Um it reminded me of a Lana Del Rey Cadillac commercial. <laughs> <laughs> like it's that level of like I guess song. Yeah, so it's singing with a largely flat affect and uh there's a, a heavy beat. There's some kind of uh, of a moaning loop going on. There's not much guitar. There's a, just a little bit of arpeggiating, and what's, a kind of like a what's there very is nice. I like the guitar yeah. part. 
but it's it's also in a very like 1997 like sort of like James Bond feeling mm-hmm. way. I feel like there's a lot of that in this time period, and uh, consequently, I mean, Garbage is going to do a uh, James Bond theme um, in a couple of years. I can't remember what which movie it was specifically, but um, they will do that. Um, uh, but I'm I'm excited to talk about. I was excited for this episode because I've had a real resurgence of interest in the Pink album by Garbage, mm-hmm. their their first self-titled album. Um, so I am having really positive feelings about this band in general. Um, I guess we'll talk content. Any any particular thoughts about what the song is about? Oh, like obsession, right? Yeah. I think yeah. it probably covers it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's even it's it's not even really that convincing, you know? It in feels that, like, a little uh, adolescent, but in a way I feel like that's fitting for Romeo and Juliet because, you know, the the the, the thing that we don't often talk about about Romeo and Juliet is I think I think it's revealed in one monologue that Juliet is either 13 or 14 in Romeo and Juliet. I don't remember uh I don't remember what specifically, but um I think it may be in a monologue that the nurse says it's revealed that that Juliet is 13 or 14. She's definitely no older than 14. So, in that way, I guess it kind of works. It's a little bit of an immature obsession maybe. And that sh- the the shallowness I think kind of fits well with uh the Baz Luhrmann sort of presentation of of Shakespeare which is all like superficial like and, and it's effective sometimes like it it, it is kind of cool like i don't mean to like take away from it and this is probably the best arrangement Baz Luhrmann ever had as a director to be able to take something with substance and just apply a different idea that looks very cool on top yeah. of it because that's that's his trick right like he doesn't i don't i don't feel like he's a great like storyteller or anything like that did um, either of you see the great gatsby i didn't no, no. couldn't have okay. cared less yeah 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 and i sh- loved him when i was a kid i loved uh, romeo and juliet and i loved moulin rouge oh a lot moulin rouge okay i've never it. seen moulin rouge um and i can't imagine being able to stomach it at this point in so you life. watched the movie this week right i did yeah in preparation for this and it was cool it was cool. It was, like I said, it was probably the best kind of arrangement that he could have for directing a movie. Um, there were a lot of um, cool ideas that he uh, sort of integrated into the the story. And um, there was a lot of, like, overacting. Oh, um, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> that yeah. was a little silly. But there was a lot of great acting, too. Um, yeah, I, I, it was, it was worth it. It was worth it. It was a cool, uh, experience and I was glad that I, I watched it. I enjoyed it. So how do you feel like this song holds up in comparison to other garbage hits yeah i i mean i think it's pretty good um it's not my favorite of some of their bigger hits but it's uh it's good like this is their first album right the pink album is their first album like it's yeah i mean i guess it's and it was left off the album um Mm -hmm. I feel like there's quite a run of hits on this album. Like it's there sure is quite a quite a debut. Um, yeah, I, I I guess I think it might be a little bit um, on the lower end of the spectrum for them. Yeah, the, the original version is I I thought was even more boring than this. Oh, I appreciated I appreciated what Nellie Hooper was doing. It almost had a like Ragdoll by Aerosmith kind of beat to it. It felt very square. It felt a little bit dated. Uh, not that Ragdoll by Aerosmith is square or dated. That's <laughs> eternal. Eternal. Sure. But yeah, I sure feel like is. this gets this gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, and uh, maybe rightfully so. Um, yeah. 
it just kind of fits in in the deck of cards of garbage singles somewhere in the middle yeah it must be enduring for some people i i uh i attempted to go see garbage live this week i had bought tickets because i was super excited that liz fair and garbage were going to open for alanis and so i bought tickets because i wanted to see uh Liz Fair and Garbage and then Liz Fair when the show got rescheduled due to COVID she dropped and then uh, I went out to this music venue and it took like an hour to park and get into the venue and by the time that I had gotten in there Garbage was like on their second to last song so I missed almost the entire set but they did play number one crush I saw on their set list for this tour they're playing it every single night so yes. it must be must be people who are into it Sarah saw them play it at the uh, DTE yeah Show. It is crazy that that is their number one hit. Yeah, that we're discussing. Yeah. I was looking at uh, "Only Happy When It Rains," and that's like their fourth. It, it, I mean, it, "Only Happy When It Rains." Uh, Quill did the research, but it peaked at number sixteen. Yeah. Um, that's what I think of when I think of the garbage song. Not necessarily Absolutely. my favorite, but the most iconic. Oh, see, yeah. I, think, I think of and stupid ubiquitous. Girl. I think of stupid, you think girl, of stupid girl, girl as their okay. most iconic. Yeah. yeah. They closed their set with only happy when it rains, which I, I felt like just kind of cemented the idea that that's kind of their their showcase. Um, so this guy, uh, Nelly Hooper, we're going to see a lot about him. Um, even next week, we're going to talk about mm-hmm. Nelly Hooper. Um, I, I wasn't really familiar with this name until we were working on this podcast. Uh, but I guess maybe we had talked about him before because he produced hold me thrill me kiss me kill me by you two which was a song that we all had positive feelings about i guess he produced uh the majority of bjork's first album yeah that's what it looked like which is pretty interesting yeah and then kind of scattered singles a bunch of stuff with gwen stefani and like the um rock steady sessions with no yeah, doubt yeah like the um the, it looked like he produced um Maybe not the Tragic Kingdom follow-up, but whatever was after that. Yeah, yeah, with Hella Good and everything like that. Crazy. Um, it's really surprising that um, that Nellie Hooper, I don't know, as is like a producer here when they have Butch Big. Like, isn't this a producer band? Like, this is right. the entire premise right. of Garbage is that it's a producer's band that he assembled to make music that sounds like this right and so i was a little surprised to find that they got an outside producer to come in and work with them yeah well well, i don't think he i mean i think he just did this remix right yeah that's my understanding i don't think he produced like the album or anything like that oh cool yeah it's got uh this has a little bit more of like a trip hop feel Maybe than the rest of the the full garbage album, which is like pretty much full on pop. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I, I guess I didn't really think about that, but um, he did some uh, Madonna songs. It looks like, mm-hmm. and also some Pumpkins. Um, yeah, there's a getting into ninety seven, ninety eight. There's a Nelly Hooper mix of Perfect, apparently, and uh, yeah, I listened to that. And the end is the beginning is the end, and the beginning is the end is the beginning. I roll. <laughs> yeah, I was telling Trav, I don't remember the beginning is the end is the beginning. I only remember the end is the beginning is the end, which sure. was on the Batman and Robin soundtrack. Oh. And it's quite, a, it's quite a good song. It's got a very good chorus. So that, that Madonna album, um, Nellie Hooper worked on a bunch of bedtime stories, and I think that that was just an extension of working with Bjork. I guess Bjork wrote some of the content for Madonna's bedtime stories. Wow. Yeah. Massive Attack around a song, too. Yeah, so I guess he produced Massive Attack. I got to confess, I don't I don't know anything about Massive Attack. No, same. same. Me neither. Okay. Huh. 
One of us should take care of that. Yeah, I had a friend who was into them in high school, and I was so not interested in what it was at that time, and, and I just haven't come back around to it. I don't suspect that it's um, anything that I'd be excited about. Yeah, I don't know that it's for me. Yeah. All right, so this is from the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack album. Anything else worth noting on, on the soundtrack? Well, I actually have a lot to comment about because I thought that was the album that we were doing That's for great. this song. That's great. <laughs> we, we, let's Trev, do both. You so, got that. a lot of information about Romeo and Juliet. You okay, and I'm, I'm ready to talk zero about it. information about the Pink Album. Trev, you okay. should read the text threads. What? You should read the text threads. We're going to leave all that <laughs> silence in, all that, uh, all, all that, all that tense silence. Oh. Okay. So Trav, um, what, what are some standouts? So, um, this was a surprisingly great soundtrack. It was mm-hmm. really good. Um, it actually kind of starts off a little weak and then like once it gets to the middle, it starts to pick up a bit. Um, the highlights. So, I mean, there's hits on it. Um, yeah. We got we got number one crush. That's great. Uh, Love Fool by the Cardigans is on this. Yeah. Um, How's that Cardigans held up for great. the two of you? Oh, man. The Cardigans are a fantastic band. I never... Um, I still haven't done the work to get into them beyond this one song, which is okay. incredible. Yeah, First Band on the Moon is, is wonderful. Um, I love the album Life, which actually came out right before it, which I think was 95. Um but they're a really um, colorful uh, pop band, mm-hmm. Swedish pop band. Mm-hmm. Um, very like, cool stuff. Don't they have like, I mean, they're more or less like power pop on some of the songs or albums? Or is... You know, yeah, I, I guess you could say that. It's, it's like a form of power pop, but um, like I think there's a little more soul jazz kind of element hmm. to it. Like Love Fool. It feels yeah. pretty modern. Yeah. yeah. Love Fool was the middle school dance mm. kind of song up there with Casey and JoJo. Mm. Um, Tom Giltrow will tell you the story of uh, a girl that he was interested in. He knew that she was really into this song. So he went up to the DJ and he requested Loveful. <laughs> like, <laughs> full of love. And I guess the DJ must have figured it out. But. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, what, what are some other highlights? We got True Love Waits, or not True Love Waits, talk show host. <laughs> yeah. The other T, Radiohead, B-side. The, uh, yeah, so how... The superior. How, how cool yeah. is this song? I, I, I remember being... It was it was really enticing because it was an an underexposed Radiohead song when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How how is it aged? When I discovered it back then, I thought of it as like a um, pre OK Computer song that sounded like OK Computer, For like, sure. like it could have been on OK Computer, you know. Um, I yeah, I I think that it is still a fine song, but it is um, yeah, it it. it it, it's a it's a very good song. It's a very good Radiohead song, but it's there are so many songs. Like it's probably like their one hundredth best song, like or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's um not very high up there for me these days. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that it sounds like it could have been on OK Computer because I thought it actually could have been on like Amnesiac, like that late. Oh, huh. um, yeah. it was that far ahead of what was happening there. Um. I don't think it was like a, a very like fleshed out song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like two parts. The guitar stuff is cool. I think it would have actually been better as an instrumental. And that's not a knock on Tom York as a singer, obviously, because he's an incredible singer. But um, it just it's more more mood, more vibe than anything. Yeah. Um, and the lyrics, there's, hear... there's always that really weird, unnecessary f-bomb in this song that he like sneaks into one of the lines where it's like that's stupid like you didn't have to do that man when the bass gets really crazy uh do you know what i'm talking about it's so yeah it feels a little bit like a dry run for airplane 
in that the the, yeah. the drums the are kind of going yeah. full tilt, yeah. and then the bass is leaving lots of space, and just accordingly, you know, just occasionally, but do 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 boom. Yep. Yep. Um, good point. Yeah. Good point. I thought that the line uh, "I'll be waiting with a gun and a pack of sandwiches" was was so cool when I was, you know, sixteen years old. And it's still cool. It's a cool song. Trav, I'm wondering if you love uh, the "You and Me" song by the Wanna Dies. Yeah, I do. I do, yeah, and I did. Great. I always, I guess, I thought was that like a popular song? Did you know that as a? I don't as know. A I, I couldn't really tell if I recognized it just from the soundtrack or if it was all over the place. Yeah. I remember uh, my friend Ashley was really into that song and uh, I think I got it from him and thought it was such a cool thing that like it just became this this uh, like a part of the rotation so much so that I thought everybody kind of was aware of it Um, but I don't know if that's the case or not I think it's great it shows up in the movie Um, yeah big big chorus Mm -hmm. uh very cool song. Yet begun, and everything is quiet, and it's Do you feel just like a local god when you're with the boys? <laughs> no. That's a good song title. I, I wanted to just call out that song title. I yeah, meant to listen to that song. That's not a great song. Um, We're referring to an Everclear song that is just perfunctory. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah how do you, how do you feel about the song me. title, To You I Bestow, by <laughs> Mundy? Listen to me when I tell you that song is awesome. Is it? That is one of the great, like, like it jumped out. It was a total surprise. It it's awesome. Hmm. Um, threw it on the the podcast playlist, which I only do for like songs that are like standouts. Huh. Um, but immediately heard that I was like, oh my god! Like it was like startlingly good, right okay. off the bat. It's just like an Irish singer songwriter. Called Monday. Monday, yeah. <laughs> I I looked into it because that song pops up on the um, modern rock uh, charts in a couple episodes, and um, so just listening ahead, I checked it out, and huh, um, yeah, it was fine. Sorry, Trev. I yeah, just no, liked, it's, uh, it's the song awesome. title. Great song title. <laughs> uh, I've never the butthole a... surfers song. Uh, really sucks. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I felt like that was like uh, they couldn't get Nick Cave. So they settled on Butthole Surfers to do a jokey Nick Cave. Yeah. Quill, um, sorry, I cut you off. No, I, I've never added a song to our, our Spotify playlist. Oh, no, it's my personal one. I'm sorry. Oh. I have one just from, like, The Journey. You're, oh, yeah, okay. See, I Where just I like, add to my 89X playlist everything oh, that okay. is new to yeah. me that I, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um the big song, the biggest song in the movie is Kissing <laughs> You by Desiree. Mm-hmm. Uh she performs it in the movie. Um is this at the wedding? No, it's when they first uh see each other. Oh, when Romeo and Juliet okay, first okay. see each other through the fish tank. Mm-hmm. Uh there's a lot of really cool uses of water in the movie too, yeah. which is a nice nice touch, but um yeah, she performs in the movie, and it's this very, like, operatic, sort of, like, prolonged vibrato, like, deep vibrato thing that she's doing throughout the song. And it's a really beautiful song. Um, and the theme kind of comes up, you know, three or four times throughout the movie. Um, 
it's a beautiful song. I don't know that I like totally love it, but I feel like it was written very well. Mm-hmm. And that there's there's like there's something there. Um, if it were maybe presented somewhat differently, I might I might like it might be an, an incredible song. As it is, it's just a, a, a really good song. Well, I wanted to share one more thing on the topic of Romeo and Juliet, which was that um, number one crush was nominated for best song from a movie at the 1997 MTV Movie Awards and lost to Machine Head by Bush, which was apparently in a movie called Fear. I don't know Mm. what that I don't know what that is. Yeah. Wait, remember I saw um, I was watching something on YouTube and saw a commercial. Oh, no, that was different. That was a different bush soundtrack uh song huh from like a later movie that might have okay. been mouth oh yeah fear is the movie that i was thinking it was so the was mark uh, Wahlberg it's and... with mark Wahlberg and reese witherspoon yeah. yeah okay the other nominees were of course don't cry for me argentina by madonna from evita uh, i believe i can fly by r kelly from mm. space jam and uh, Change the World by Eric Clapton and Babyface from Phenomena. Jesus. And uh, Machine Head by Bush was the winner. <laughs> I was really surprised to see that uh, Romeo and Juliet did not win Best Kiss. That went to Vivica A. Fox and Will Smith in Independence oh, Day. Oh, Independence Day. Yeah. Mm. The whole affair was hosted by Mike Myers, and it appears as though um, Austin Powers popped in. And Scream won Best Movie, and Chewbacca won the Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> the Lifetime Achievement Award. Mm-hmm. Very good. Chewy. Uh, the last thing I have to, to mention about the soundtrack is there is a cover of a maybe an old disco song called Young Hearts Run Free by Kim Mazel. And... Um, if you, th- this is uh, when Mercutio enters in drag, mm-hmm. and it's like an amazing part of the movie. Very cool, like, uh, I don't know, interpretation of the character. And um, he was the if best. You go right? on, he, was, he was the best yeah, by sure. far, the best part of the movie. Yeah. Like, just incredible. Yeah. Um, but if you look up the track on YouTube, the comments are. Uh, incredible like one after another just super funny in a good way or uh, in a good uh, absolutely way way. okay yeah no they're they're good great um just really enjoyed uh looking through all of those uh those comments i i I guess i can't say for all of them because i didn't look through everything so i don't want to be held accountable for like if there's some (laughs) terrible stuff that just pops up but like it was it was fun at the time that i looked at it Quill and I uh, at least can can talk a little bit about the the Pink album. Yeah, um, sure can. I think this is a great album, a great album. I wouldn't say that, but I would say it, it has some really good songs. So here's my one of the things that interests me the most is that these are pop songs, and it's a rare occasion where the lead guitar is providing the hook in almost every song. It's mm. almost all all these songs somehow or another it, the lead guitar is the catchiest element. And Stupid Girl, it's just that doo 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 doo. Yep. And then the, the first track that Super Vixen this is uh is really cool. There's so much uh great lead guitar going yeah. on. Yeah, that's um, true. On that's queer, true. on queer, there's this guitar solo where there's a key change, and it does this cool thing where he's sliding up and down the neck. Uh, really great, and I think that that remains the case on the next album with like Push It. I mean, like the hook of that song is the guitar riff. It's the it's the lead guitar thing. 
So yeah, really into this album. The first track uh, surprised me. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't remember hearing Vow on the radio. That song has a killer chorus. That was apparently the first song that they wrote together and also their first single. That was the first single from the album. It peaked at 26 on the modern yeah. rap chart. And uh, yeah, I um, uh, like I thought that song ruled. Um, I yeah. also did not remember it. And uh, yeah, I like the kind of panned guitar is really cool. And yeah, um, there's like a uh, awesome like lead guitar lick that happens after a chorus um and then it happens again during a chorus at the end of the song and it's really nice there's a really cool like clean channel or it's like acoustic guitar like a picked part that it it sounds like swerve driver to me it's really uh, yeah, an interesting cool. uh like a really really good single yeah i was very very into that song Yeah, so all these songs are a collaboration between, you know, Bushvig, who famously produced Nevermind, and then wanted to kind of like break away from guitar music and make a pop record. And I don't know who is playing like that lead guitar. I think it's probably this guy, Steve Marker. Uh, And then there's another guy named Duke Erickson who plays guitar and bass. And they auditioned Shirley Manson. So they were like looking for a female singer. And they were looking for somebody who would have a little bit of a subdued vocal delivery. And um, after a couple auditions, Shirley Manson fit in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, I think these singles are really, really good. Vow, we said, is really great. Um, what, how do you two feel about Only Happy When It Rains? Uh, it's... Uh, it's fine. I don't, I don't love it. Um, I don't think it's bad by any means. Um, I think it's, it's fine. I don't think it's bad. I think it's very broad mm-hmm. and I don't listen to it. Like I changed the channel when it comes yeah. on. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. it, it's been, I've heard it so many millions of times and it just seems like their anthem. Yeah. Um, yeah. where like everybody, like if somebody knows garbage, they know that song. Yeah. Uh, but there are a lot better than that i think so vow peaked at number 26 on the modern rock chart and it seems like none of us remember hearing it on the radio only happy when it rains i remember hearing all the time but it peaked at number 16 queer was the third single and peaked at number 12 um that song is doing it for me now i I, i'm liking it a lot yeah not me i like it too no no hmm Nope. I like when the keys go, (laughs) and then I I really like the guitar solo, as I've already said. Uh, Stupid Girl, I didn't particularly like when I was a kid, and now it is really the jam. I'm with you 100%. I know we've talked about it in a previous episode, I think. um, But, yeah, I hated it when I was a kid, and it's awesome. I'm, like, in love with that song now. It's really good. The the revelation of uh, the the main drum beat being um, sampled from Train and Vane by The Clash like really hooked me in a lot and yeah. uh it's such a cool element of the song and everything about it's great yeah i just like that that clean guitar and the piano uh, we talked about the uh-huh. it's so cool 
Yeah. yeah, so that peaked at number two on the modern rock chart and also had some success on the mainstream rock chart and on the pop chart. And then finally, uh, the last single is Milk, um, which is a closer. song that, that I, I, I like too. It didn't chart at all, wasn't a big success. And, and we're, we're in late 1996 at this point. But um, I don't think there's a bad song on the album. Um... No, I don't. I don't think there was anything like offensively bad or like you know yeah. like. Um, there were songs that I didn't fully care for, but uh, there were. I mean, yeah, there were even a couple of non-singles that I I really liked. Yeah, uh, "Fix Me Now" has a great hook. Um, uh, some of these are not standing out to me too much. Not my idea. I think was maybe the weakest one, but oh. even that one had this great guitar stuff yeah. on uh, part of the hook. I really liked the verses of that song. Um, I like it was a bad. Uh, it should be added to Emily's um, good good verse bad chorus playlist. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, good call. The verses are like shoegaze, basically, is what it sounds like, like a little jangly and. Um, yeah, there's this guitar solo that goes. I mean, that's it's not helpful at all, but uh, it's it's really good. There's just lots of really hooky guitar playing on this record, and I like it a lot. Yeah, I my jam was my lover's box. Yeah, that should have been a single, and also it's a song title that I think is funny <laughs> and that I like. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, yeah, lots of good stuff there. All right, well, uh, when we come back, uh, we'll talk about the charts. Okay, on the mainstream rock chart, we've got uh, Blow Up the Outside World by Soundgarden. And then we go into Lady Picture Show by Stone Temple Pilots and go back into Blow Up the Outside World by Soundgarden. So this is uh, what we're spending four weeks on the charts. Um, I think we've talked about both of these songs. Yeah. Is that correct? At Um, some point, yes. I really like Blow Up the Outside World. I got there. I, I think I, I downplayed it, um, but mm-hmm. I, I got there with it. It's, it's pretty good. I think it was my favorite single from that album. <laughs> um, uh, was Pretty Noose a number one or uh, Burden in My Hand? Burden in My Hand, I think, was. Yeah, I was going to say, like this is definitely not as big as either of those songs. So No. I'm wondering if those uh, were also number one. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember Pretty Noose, but I, that song's yeah. that song's great too. All three of those singles are awesome. I, I love think. Pretty Noose. Um, I think you're right, though. I think uh, Burden in My Hand was a number one. Yeah, in the mainstream rock. Lady Picture Show is not one of my favorite singles from Tiny Music by Stone Tumble Pilots, but they're all those singles I think are very good, and uh, the guitar solo in Lady Picture Show is rocking. Mm-hmm. Almost a, a dual consecutive type, yeah. con- type solo. Yeah. Where it's split up. Um, all right. On the pop chart, number one is Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. Uh, what did you notice on the full modern rock chart? This is a big one. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a lot of leftover stuff from 96, obviously, because it's January 11th, 1997. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's a... Um, there's some... Uh, I, I mean, it's interesting. There's a lot of new stuff because I think um, the last song that we covered in 1996, the, the last time we looked at the chart was in no, like early November. Um, I think Swallowed was number one for like that whole like last couple months almost of 96 so we missed a lot of new stuff that popped in um 
33 by the Smashing Pumpkins was in there, um, which we've talked about um, on our 1979 episode. Mm -hmm. Um, A Long December by Counting Crows, which I know you are obsessed with probably, Alec. Um, No, no. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) I assume that's a song that you don't care for. Um, It's fine. It's fine. uh, I liked it a lot at the time. Yeah. Wait, yeah, that song's really good. I, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. It's like the only Kind good. Crow song that I cared about before um, hmm. I'd sit on the beach, thanks to you guys with the, this podcast. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Radiation Vibe by Fountains of Wayne um, is at uh, number 14. One Headlight by The Wallflowers has just shown up, which we will talk about um, on a later episode. Yep. Um. Crash Into Me by Dave is there. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm holding out hopes that we're going to have a whole episode about that at uh, some point. Just for... A hiatus episode. Okay. Well, I, I'm just saying it's you there. You twisted my arm. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. Um, Love Fool's there. Uh, number 21. Um, failure. Did either of you ever listen to Failure when you were uh, kids or... Knew of them. Uh, like... I listened to it a little bit today mm. because I had been unfamiliar. Seemed like it was. Uh, I, I mean, everything that came up in the algorithm after I looked it up was all like this, like you know, kind of not a surf kind of stuff. So it seemed like oh. it was just straight. It, I mean, but it's just straight Weezer universe kind of rock, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? No, I yeah, they're like hum, I like hum listen, adjacent. Yeah, that's like space. I didn't listen to it as a kid, but yeah, it seems like they've made a a nice sort of like resurgence with like the Will Yip style uh punk emo huh, okay. shoegaze yeah. thing. They're tied in with that with hum. Yeah, yeah, they're like hum hum adjacent for sure. Um, it's a good Fantastic Planet's a good album. I don't think it's anywhere near as good as. Um, you'd prefer an astronaut or um, Dunward is Heavenward, but it's good. It's the production's awesome, and it's a li- little too long, but um, yeah. Um, Super Bon Bon by Soul Coughing, which I think rules. Um, really, I do. Yeah, I like that like song. That song. I liked that song when I was a kid. Uh, the beat is huh. awesome. The beat is so awesome. Um, and I love the bass on it. The vocals are tricky for me, but, um, I do really like the drumming on it. Um, Off He Goes by Pearl Jam, uh, from No Code is there, which is, like, just pretty much perfect. Um, Trav, I figured you, you liked Nerf Herder. You talked about Nerf Herder, I think, on the 1996 special, maybe? Yeah. Um, I think I had no idea that they'd ever be in a top forty. Yeah, is that, that song? I assume is from that album, right? Van Van Halen. Yeah. 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 Um, I was pleasant Good for them. I was pleasantly surprised that No Face by Suicide Machines, um, the great Detroit ska punk band, um, was there. It's a great song. It's like the most classic sounding ska song that they have. Pretty much, it's not as heavier punk, um, but it's a great song. Um. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, it was a lot. Travis's favorite band is there at number 39. Um, we- yep. Weezer, The Good Life. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about 38. I figured that Travis would want to talk about Weezer a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to talk about <laughs> Weezer. <laughs> um, yeah. I got to say, I'm a little embarrassed to say it, but when I was a kid, I really liked Fire, Water, Burn by the Bloodhound Game. <laughs> I, I listened and, uh, to it for oh, the yeah. first time I, today. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Th- I thought I was going to listen back, and it was just going to be terrible. But I, I, I kind of liked it. The music video <laughs> was. The music video was pretty funny, uh, yeah. and I'd just like to share a couple lyrics. Uh, yeah, I'm hung like planet Pluto, hard to see with the naked eye. But if I crashed into Uranus, I would stick it where the sun don't shine. Jesus, because I'm kind of like Han Solo, always stroking my own Wookie. I'm the root of all that's evil. Yeah, but you can call me Cookie. Stroking my own Wookie. Yeah. Wookie. Uh, I did not like the song, but it was not. I expected it to be worse than it uh-huh. than it was. Uh huh. Yeah. 
Cool. Cool, cool guys, that Bloodhound gang. <laughs> All right, well, let's rate number one crush. Yeah, I think I uh, I didn't really sell how much I liked this song. I, I actually really, really like this song. Um, I It is not one of my absolute favorite singles of theirs, but it's I think it's a, it's a good single. Um, I give it four crushes. <laughs> um, I think it's uh, just very right up the middle. Uh, give it two point five. Um, self lickings of Benvolio's own nipple. <laughs> uh, I'll give it two ends that are the beginning of the end and an additional <laughs> beginning that is the end of the beginning for a total of three <laughs> units. Cool. Uh, Nirvana wannabe. No. I don't think no. so. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Butch Vig was too sexy. Butch Vig. I, I mean, I think he stated that he was trying to get away from from that. Yeah, by doing yeah. this. and and very cool choice. Good, good for yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Tell me all your thoughts on Pod as part of the Off Shelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine. The best, most fun way for us to communicate with all of you is via our Facebook group. Tell me all your thoughts on Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. However, we still love receiving your emails when we check them at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. You can listen along with our playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, or watch along on YouTube. Next week, uh, we're going to snap. We're going to crackle. We're going to talk U2's uh, latest album, which features the track Discotech. Good. That was good. <laughs> that was a good one, Al. Okay. Thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll see you all around. Oh, all right. See you later. Okay, bye. The album's called Pop. <laughs> Snap, crackle, pop. Bye. Bye. <laughs>